Welcome to the Chatty Teachers Podcast. This podcast is made for teachers by some really chatty teachers. All about the aspects of teaching that no one really talks about. I'm hoping to share some laughs and some tears so that you know you are not alone in this. On today's episode, we will be getting straight into inclusive education. Now, this is definitely not something we can cover in one episode, but I thought this would be a good introduction to it. Welcome back to the Chatty Teachers Podcast. Um, I'm so excited you're here. Thank you for joining me. Um, Before we get started, I actually just wanted to first say a massive thank you to everybody who um, listen to the trailer and to the first um, intro episode um, you honestly have no idea how much your support means to me the lovely messages I've been receiving this is such a dream of mine and to have had such a warm response to it within the few, first few days it's it's honestly just um, it feels so heartwarming because you know to know that something that you love doing that you're so passionate about and you know, everybody's enjoying it and everybody's, you know, responding really well to it. So thank you very much. So on today's podcast, like I said, we're going to be touching on inclusive education. Now, this is not something that we can cover completely in one episode. Okay, it is going to be um, a few episodes, you know, to fully kind of delve into it and to cover everything. But I thought this would be a brilliant way to just start. So kind of like a little introductory episode on understanding inclusive education. So what is inclusive education? So inclusive education, it is the way we treat each other. It is a mindset. It's it's not a program. It's the opportunity to learn together and from one another. It's the practice of openly including certain things in our lives and the lives of our children, you know, things like identity, diversity, you know, learning about justice, learning about action, okay? Inclusion within the classroom means consciously implementing certain things to make sure all children are thought of and all children are included. And also remembering that not all children are the same. Every child needs something different to be able to succeed and flourish, That is why it is so important that we listen to children, we observe them, and we make sure we are giving them a safe environment to grow and make mistakes. Now, unfortunately, inclusive education or inclusivity within the classroom is not a priority. It's not something that everybody thinks of. It's not not something that most people are aware of. I think, you know, having done my honors in inclusive education, it's made me so hyper aware of the way we conduct ourselves in the classroom, the way we present information and the responses that we get back from children. And I think, you know, people who, you know, haven't done, you know, like an honours like that or or who haven't had inclusive education, you know, pulled through, you know, in their degrees, you know, it's it's just not something that is thought of. Um, You know, like when I think back to the degree that I did, you know, we didn't really do a module or a topic on inclusive education. Yes, we had, you know, um, modules on learning disabilities and, you know, basically we touched on what they are, you know, kind of how to, you know, see when a child may have a learning disability. But, you know, we weren't taught how to implement strategy in the classroom. We weren't taught how to make exceptions or make adaptions for children who need certain things and 
you know, for me, that is something that is so important. You know, as a teacher, you've got these little people's lives in your hands. And should one of them need extra support or extra adaptions, you know, you're the person who's supposed to pick that up. And, you know, that's why I think it's so important for people to be made aware of, you know, how to put inclusivity into your classroom by, you know, doing super simple things. And we're going to chat about them today, like little tips and tricks. And, and it, it's it's not something that's going to cost you, you know, hundreds of rand or, you know, take so much of your time. It's tiny little things that we should be taught and we should know to implement, but we're just not. And, you know, the reality of of this kind of mindset within education is, you know, teachers who've been teaching for 20, 30 years, who've been doing the same thing over and over and over again, you know, bringing change within their their classroom, within their, um, you know, their kind of field of vision. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, we all know change is so difficult. But I think as teachers, no matter how long you've been teaching, you know, our priority should be the children. And the children we are teaching now are not the same children who were coming through schools 20 years ago. You know, so adaptions need to be made. Things need to be thought of. You know, the country we live in is so different to the country that we lived in 20 years ago. So, you know, things need to be ever-changing. We're humans. We're creatures of habit. You know, we fall into a routine of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And and I think it, it, it at a point becomes detrimental because you're not looking after those people, those little people, and you're not making sure that everything that you're doing in the classroom is the right thing for them. It's it's just, oh, well, I did this last year, so it must be done this year. Like I said, as teachers, we should be ever-changing and we should be, you know, ever-willing to learn. And, you know, we should always be looking for better ways to do things to suit the children in our class. And I think as young teachers, I think it is, it's very demotivating and and you know, it just kind of makes you feel like, well, you know, if I can't implement these these things that I've learned, like, you know, how am I going to make a difference? And and I'm I'm going to share with you now a, a couple of really easy ways to you know implement inclusive education in your classroom that you know won't change the entire curriculum or it won't um make such a difference to to you know the people around you who maybe don't want things to change you know these are tiny things that you can change yourself that you know will make your classroom environment 10 times better okay so i'm just going to share a few tips on how inclusive education could be implemented in the classroom and like i said this is just a, a like a little summary just a touching on it because i'd really like to go into this in more depth and i've gotten so many questions from those question boxes i put up on instagram um you know, of going more in depth in inclusive education. So I thought this could just be like a, you know, you know, get your fingers wet. Let's 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 see kind of what it's about, and then we can go into more detail. You know, as we go along in the episodes. So the first thing would be to differentiate the way you teach. You know, use different techniques to teach and engage children. You know, standing in front of the class, preaching at them for hours is not always the best way. You know, to get your message across. Um, you know, yes, obviously there is a place for instruction and for standing in front of them and showing them things on the on the whiteboard and stuff. But, you know, a child, you know, especially the little ones, um, and I suppose any age group that you're te- teaching, it doesn't even have to be the little ones, you know, they need to be stimulated. And unfortunately, you know, the times that we live in are very technologically based and, you know, 
kids these days have a really short attention span. So, you know, we've got to keep them interested. We've got to keep them, you know, interested and excited and and using different techniques is it's it's one of the best ways to, you know, keep them guessing and keep them you know, being surprised about what are we doing next? It's, you know, it's not just, you know, sitting in the classroom at our desks, you know, listening. I mean, take them outside, you know, use different ways to teach. And, and you know, maybe the, the thing that is most out of the ordinary could be the best way for them to, you know, learn. The next thing that I feel very passionately about, um, I did my entire thesis of this, of my honours, was adapting assessments. Now, this is obviously just a personal opinion, and I think everybody will feel differently. I do not believe that assessments within schools are inclusive. They are created for a certain kind of child who comes from a certain kind of background with, you know, this, you know, no learning disabilities, no, you know, things. And, you know, we put these pieces of paper in front of a child and we just expect them to be able to do it. And that's just not reality. That's just not how things go. You know, children, they, they, you know, and I think pressure these days, especially from parents, you know, oh my gosh, tests, you know, got to be stressed, got to be, you know, I mean, I've had a child in my class who's been seven years old and has cried because she is so nervous to do an assessment. And I mean, I know like in grade one, I mean, assessments at that point are still continuous. You know, there's no like exams. There's no like sit down tests. But these children, they feel so much pressure to, you know, succeed. And it, it's, it just, it then creates, you know, not the best results because they're not performing to the best of their abilities. So, you know, it could be something as simple as changing the front cover of your assessment booklet. I mean, you know, these little kitties, they don't want to, they don't want to have this piece of paper, you know, put down in front of them and it says maths assessment and huge big writing. You know, they want to think, this is just another activity that we're doing in the classroom. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. You know, let's, you know, let's get into it kind of thing. And I think if you as a teacher treat it like that as well, you know, they'll feel more confident when doing it because it's not like, you know, we've got a test, you have to be stressed and, you know, make it more casual. You know, things as simple as changing the font, changing the font size. You know, instead of having three activities on one page, have one activity on one page. You know, make it make it so that their field of vision is nice and clear. Give them space to do working out. You know, those little spaces, I mean, that could all go towards your observations because you're looking at how they've interacted with the work, you know, how they've seen the work, how they've drawn their pictures, etc. So, you know, it's it's all about, you know, taking the pressure off and, you know, giving them the opportunity to to do it to the best of their abilities. Um, without this like impending doom of, oh my gosh, it's a test. Um, the next one would be to incorporate technology. Now, obviously some schools are more fortunate than others to have iPads or computers that are readily available. Um, but some schools, schools aren't, you know, and if, you know, if you, if you've got a smart board or a projector or a whiteboard in front of you, there are so many lovely, um, uh, like websites that you can use to play games. My, one of my favorites is Top Marks. They've got amazing games for all different subjects that you can, um, you know, you can play and and the kids can like get involved. Um, 
but obviously, I mean, like I said, you know, this all comes into, you know, the, we're going to chat about barriers in a few moments, but, you know, the barriers that you have depending on where you're working. Um, the next one is collaboration. Now, collaboration within teaching is honestly one of my favorite ways to teach. Let the kids collaborate. Let them work together. Let them learn from each other. Let them teach each other, you know. Obviously, as the teacher, give them the tools they need to to learn. You know, give them the, you know, the concrete aids. Give them the worksheets. Give them the whatever they need. But then put them in groups. Let them work in groups. Let them learn from each other. You know, like a science experiment. You know, give them the, the vinegar and the bicarb and the dish soap and the water. And then say to them, what do you think? You know, let them learn from one another. Some child might have done it before and they can be like, oh, I know what to do if you add this and this, it makes this. Or, you know, if you add the vinegar and the bicarb together, it makes an explosion. Or, you know, let them, let them explore. Let them be curious. Let them wonder about what they're doing and, and what happens. And, and, you know, don't, don't stand in front of them and be like, right, put the bicarb in the container put the vinegar in the container because you're instructing them on what to do you know give them all of the the tools and then say to them what do you think will happen if i put this and this together what do you think will happen if i put that and that together you know and let them do it give them a couple of containers let them put the water in the dish up together and see what happens put the bicarb and the water together and see what happens you know let them explore because concrete learning like that is is one of the best ways for them to solidify a topic because they will forever remember when we did that that is what i learned or when we went outside and we, you know, picked up those leaves, I remember talking about colors or, you know, the color wheel or, you know, doing math sums or whatever you would like to teach while you're doing it. But giving them concrete aids and concrete experiences gives them the opportunity to absorb that knowledge and remember it because they will always remember how much fun they had while they were learning. The next one would be to keep learning. Now, I think this is a very important one because we are our own resource. We are the knowledge fountain, <laughs> you know, in our classroom. You need to keep feeding that fountain. You need to keep giving yourself the opportunity to learn, you know, read books, read articles, you know, if you're, if you're able to do uh, courses. There are so many free courses on the internet, you know, all about this kind of stuff, all about, you know, things to just, you know, keep going, you know, whatever your interests are within teaching, you know, don't just think I've done my four year, my four years, I'm done now, you know, I know it can be overwhelming, like the learning, but you know, for, like I was saying, you, teachers should be ever changing. They should be ever developing. They should be, you know, always wanting to know more. And I think holding yourself accountable and saying, you know, I'm going to read this article or I'm going to make sure that I get more knowledge on whatever topic I'm interested in, you know, to make yourself almost like a specialist in your field so that you know that you are so knowledgeable about that certain thing or about what you're passionate about that you know exactly what you're doing in the classroom is the right thing. And, you know, you are confident in, you know, what you are doing because you know that you have given yourself every single opportunity to learn. 
Um, the next one would be to definitely use a variety of materials while you are teaching. Now, <sighs> kids are, they're all different, like we said. They learn in completely different ways. You know, some kids might be more visual. Some kids might be more tactile. Um, you need to give them the opportunity to be able to, you know, explore that and to learn in the way that suits them best. You know, so give them photos, you know, do a beautiful PowerPoint with music and with videos and sound, but then give them the opportunity to sit down and actually, you know, do what they need to do using their hand. You know, if it's a maths, a maths, you know, if you're doing maths, you know, play them a song of counting or of bonds, but then let them sit down with some Unifix blocks or some beans or some popcorn and actually count out the, um, you know, the, the sums, let them draw the sums, make sure that you're not just um, using one method of teaching to convey your entire topic, because, you know, two kids might respond well to it, but five might not. And then those two kids are obviously going to do very well, but then the other five might not. So, you know, obviously don't reconstruct your classroom or like try and think of everything all in once, but, you know, give make sure that they know that they've got options and make sure that if they need to use blocks they are there if they need them but if they don't need them that's also fine you know if they would like to use their whiteboards let them use their whiteboards but if they don't need to use the whiteboards then it's fine so I think empowering your kids as well is such a good you know thing to remember is they can also show you what they need they can tell you I don't really like using my whiteboard, but I'd rather use the beans. Or I don't really like using the beans or the popcorn, so I'd rather just use my whiteboard. You know, listen to them. Listen to what they have to say because they can tell you everything. And the last kind of little tip that I'd like to chat about is something that I feel also quite strongly about because in past experience, like I've had the complete opposite of this is, you know, choosing the right program in your class. You know, that's the right one. You know, obviously most schools will have a program like a phonics program or a maths program. But if you don't find something that works for your class or your grade or go to speak to your management and say, this is the kind of program I'd like to implement and then stick to it. Um, because having consistency within your classroom is so important. And, you know, from personal experience, I have <laughs> was in a position where there were like four different phonics programs that were being thrown at me. And I was like, what are, am I supposed to do all four of them? And it was kind of like, yeah. And I mean, how, oh yeah, it just makes my mind, bl like blows my mind right now, just even sitting and thinking about it. I mean, you know, if, if you want to do a, pro uh, a program and you want to do it well, choose it, follow it, do it. The kids will respond to it because if you as a teacher are flustered and if you as a teacher don't even know what's going on, there's absolutely no way that that's going to translate to the kids and then they're going to be able to understand. Um, you know, if you want to do Jolly Phonics, do Jolly Phonics. If you want to do Letterland, do Letterland. If you want to do the Phonics Awareness Program, do the Phonics Awareness Program, but choose one. Um, consistency is key for these little people. I'd like to chat a little bit about the barriers that we may um, come across or experience when we're trying to implement inclusive education within the classroom or even within the school that we're teaching. Because, you know, even though, you know, I can sit here and say, like, do this or do that or, you know, implement this or implement that, you know, every single school is different. Every single teacher is different. Every single child is different. So there are many many barriers that you know could come into play some of them may not apply to you some all of them may apply to you but 
exploring the barriers and being aware of these barriers, I feel is so important so that when you get to them, you may know what to do or you may have tips and tricks to try and, you know, overcome them. So the first barrier, and we touched on a little bit earlier, is attitude, okay? Many educators resist the idea of accommodating students with learning disabilities. Now, unpopular opinion, but it is the truth, okay? This is honestly one of the lead causes of discrimination in schools, which then inhabits the educational process, you know, it, it, it stops children from being able to learn. It, it, you know, I don't think people realize how important it is for us to treat every child the same, but making sure we are filling their gaps and giving them what they need to learn. I don't know, like, as you, for you now as an adult, if you think back at your school career, I mean, I can distinctly think back and think, you know, that was the teacher who did what I needed for me to succeed. And then you can think of a teacher who that person, you know, they may have been more detrimental to your life than anything. And I mean, I can distinctly think back and 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 I can I could tell you their names of the teachers who were the most amazing teachers and I felt were so brilliant and who really helped me. And then I can also think of the teachers who did nothing for me and, you know, made me feel worse or made me feel like I couldn't do it. And, you know, I always think about that when I'm teaching my kids because I want to be that person that they think about in 20 years and thinks that teacher did everything in her power possible to help me. You know, and and I'm not trying to say to you, you need to, you know, go up, you know, break your back and, and, you know, go up and over and beyond and whatever for these children. But just know that you're doing your absolute best to get them where they need to be. And so that maybe in 10 years or 20 years time, they'll come back and be like, I remember your class or I remember when I was in your class because... I had so much fun and I learned so much and I enjoyed it so much. And and I think that is what every teacher wants. They want to, to know that they have made a difference in that child's life and that they have tried their best and they have done everything that they possibly could to make sure that that child can succeed. Because that's why we're here. We're here to build these children up and to make sure that they become successful human beings. Now, obviously... Physical barriers are one of the biggest barriers to inclusive education. You know, the facilities. What does your school have? What can they offer? What don't they have that they may need? You know, and this obviously all just depends on on where you work, on, you know, I think ties into the funding that you may have. You know, some, some schools will be super privileged and be able to, you know, have every single resource under the sun that you could think of. But some schools might not. Um, and I think it's all just about like assessing where you are, what do you have, what can you use and how can you make it work? Um, we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but being resourceful is your, it's, it's your solution. You know, what can I do with what I've got to make it work? Now, if also if now for the next, if we think of the curriculum, you know, the education system, unfortunately does not allow for 
for inclusion really to be implemented if you think about it I mean yes there's all these documents of you know inclusive inclusivity in the classroom and stuff but you know when you look at CAPS or IB or whatever curriculum you're working from these are the topics that need to be covered this is how they need to be covered make sure it's done by the end of the term it's very rigid in the way that it wants you to teach it wants you to stand up in front of your classroom and just you know preach to them and this is very sad because you know also the amount of stuff that needs to be covered every term there's there's not a lot of time to be really like repeating it and you know getting it in there so it's difficult to try and and you know find time to teach what you need to teach but doing it in the right way so that's when like I said we need to be resourceful we need to do it in the way we can and make sure that what we're doing when we do it is done meaningfully and that it's done with purpose now the last thing I'd like to touch on is expectation now many learners are expected to learn an environment that does not suit their learning you know especially when you think about you know students who are learning in a language that is not their home language you know, this is such a difficult, you know, barrier to cross because, you know, as teachers, you know, we're given the knowledge we need to go in and teach. And and unfortunately, you know, the kids we might get in or the, 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 the things we might need to do, you know, it's it's hard. And it's, like I said just now, we have to be resourceful. We have to, you know, if you get a child in your class who doesn't speak your language, you need to think, right, how am I going to overcome this? How am I going to teach this child to speak the language that I am speaking in? You know, Google, you know, translators, learn some vocabulary to try and help them, you know, get in touch with their parents, you know, Build a, build a community around this child who is able to get them to where they need to be. You know, whether that is you learning some of their language or them learning the language that you're teaching in, it's, it's so difficult. But, you know, kind of going into the solution now, I think for most of these barriers, or I suppose that could be used for most of these barriers, is to be resourceful. You know, use what you have and make it work. You know, if you don't have a lot of things, you know, ask, you know, People are so forthcoming with with objects that they may have at their homes that they don't need. I mean, I'm I've never done this in a classroom, but I thought it's such a lovely thing to do. Is is at the end of the year, or um, yeah, I think like like at the end of the year, say to the parents in your class, I would love for you to donate a book. You know that can then be used for years to come, and and then in that book they can write a little message and the child's name and the date, and that can go into your classroom library because then for years to come those resources will be utilized again and again and again. And you know it doesn't even have to be an old book; it could be an old children's book that that they are looking to get rid of, or something that their that their child has loved that they would like to share with with your class. And you know, asking for recycling, you know, if you want to, you know, build blocks or, you know, whatever, ask for recycling, ask for boxes, you know, my, one of my fondest memories is, um, in preschool, the construction table, <laughs> like boxes and containers and stickers and, and all sorts, and literally just sitting there for hours and sticking things together. And, and I mean, that was literally recycling. And that stuff, once it had been made, was then put back into recycling. And, and it does not have to be expensive stuff that you are using. It could be something as silly as that. 
you know I, I always think of, you know if you need something in your classroom ask you know like um I at one point I ran out of um like containers for paint water so I just sent a message to my parents and I said if you have any of those big um ice cream uh, yogurt containers please could you just send them to school you know so we can use them as as um as paint paint containers and my goodness I had yogurt containers coming out of my actual ears you know if you need something ask for it you know ask for you know people to look in their houses if they've got anything they want you to like they would like to donate be resourceful you know if there is something that you would love in your classroom you know do a cake sale or something you know thinking of ways to you know educate people and 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 you know be resourceful i mean like like we talked about attitudes you know if you would like to do something put together a powerpoint go to your management and say right I want to talk to you about this. This is what I would like to do. Let me show you. Let me educate you about it. And then let's see if we can implement it in the classroom. Um, I think one of my most um, disheartening moments as a teacher was, you know, while I was studying this degree, I had all these ideas for my classroom and I and I, I wanted to implement them. And I I broached the idea at one point and I said, I want to do flexible seating in my classroom. And I wasn't asking for money. I wasn't asking for anything. All I was asking was, can I move the desks out the way and I will go and bring in the things I need? And, you know, my ideas were shut down so quickly. It was actually unbelievable. And I just remember thinking, like, here I am trying to create a better learning environment but being shut down at every turn so you know it's it's going to be hard and it's going to be disheartening and you're going to try and you're going to try to do all these things and to implement all these amazing ideas and people aren't going to understand and people aren't going to be you know accepting to it but I think the best that you can do is use what you have and make it work with what you've got around you. So the moral message that I'd like to leave you with for this podcast would be to be resourceful. Take what you've got, use it to the best of your ability. And if you need something, ask for it. You know, the the parents in your class or the parents of the kids in your class, they will be so responsive if you say to them, I am trying to implement this. Does anybody have any cardboard boxes? Or does anybody want to donate recycling or old clothing? Or does anybody have any old pillows at home that they'd like to, you know, donate for a reading corner? Parents are your biggest allies because they want to see their child succeed. And if you show them that you are trying to create a safer learning environment for their child, they will respond in the most amazing way. Um, I have created a little resource to go along with this episode um, and they are some little emotion cards. So I love using them in my classroom because as we know, these little ones sometimes struggle with, you know, verbalizing their emotions and telling us exactly how they're feeling. And I used to love just keeping these like um, on like a little, like a low table, somewhere where they can reach. And I would cut them out in a circle, laminate them and stick them on a little ice cream stick. And, and if somebody's having a, a, a um, you know, like a, like a difficult time expressing how they feel, I'd always say to them, go, go and grab me 
the face that tells me how you're feeling. And then they would go and grab the little face and they'd come back to me and then we would chat about it. So I've created a resource. It is up on my TPT page. I will put the link in my bio for you to go and have a look at those. And um, if you'd like to purchase them, I would really appreciate that. Um, but I'm going to leave you with this little message. You are doing an amazing job. Every single child in your class, they may not show it in the moment, but one day they will realize everything you have done for them has been to create and to build them into the person that they are today. So, teacher friends, don't stop doing what you're doing. Keep going, keep trying hard, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Charity Teachers Podcast. So, like I said, you are doing an amazing job. Have a magical week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chatty Teachers Podcast. If you enjoyed it and you would like to keep listening, please make sure to check back in next week or connect with us over on Instagram. We are an independent podcast, so a review would be amazing. Please follow on whichever streaming platform you use to keep in touch and to keep updated.